This is a People First Radio podcast. Vancouver Island University's first ever end-of-life doula course was offered this fall. It was created by Carmen Lavoie, professor of social work who we heard from back in June around when the course was first announced. I had a chance to catch up with Lavoie and learn about the first session. Part of the course involves students working with actors who are portraying people in end-of-life scenarios. Lavoie says she's seen the impacts of that work. Using the simulation lab on campus at VAU has been really fruitful. Like I can really see, you know, when the students come out of that simulation, you know, their eyes are wide open. You can see that's had a real impact on their learning. Um, it's, it's the motivation that comes from it is really high because people realize the complexity of these kind of scenarios of working with someone who's dying and their families that the motivation for learning just jumps uh, once they have that experience of doing that kind of role play. And then also being able to see themselves on video after that and uh, reflect on their approach um, enables a a deep level of self-awareness. Lavoie also shared a bit about the students who make up this first group. It's a complete mix. Yeah, so we have 28 students in the course, and it's absolutely, like, all genders, all ages, all backgrounds, like, people who've already had, like, a professional role and looking for a new role, people who've retired, people who, you know, are starting their careers. So it's a real gamut. In addition to discussing the course, we also spoke a bit more generally about the end-of-life doula role and the taboo around discussing death. The end-of-life doula as a professional role in Canada is still somewhat kind of new, right? <laughs> Very new. Yeah, and completely so, new. So with that, uh, I guess if someone is looking for that kind of support, um, I imagine that in terms of like a regulatory landscape or whatever, there isn't the same framework that exists with other professions. So how can someone who's looking for that what should they look for in in seeking out that service? That's a really big question. You definitely want to be sure that you have a good connection, like a good rapport. You want to be able to trust this person who is joining you at this stage, a very vulnerable, important stage, right? So you trust is absolutely essential. So you want to feel that connection with somebody in meeting with them and also to feel okay about there not being that connection and it not being a right fit and, and seeing whom else there is available to do that work with you. I would think also like someone who's non judgmental is really important. So someone who's coming to this work and, and sees the client as the expert of their own life and as the expert of knowing what their needs are at that point and what needs to happen for them at end of life. So in that way, then the rule of the end of life doula is to be completely respectful and accepting of all approaches to that stage of life. And just to enable that person to make choices that are important for them and to have that autonomy over their um, own death. 
Lately on the program, we've been having a lot of conversations about maybe death anxiety and how, you know, talking about death can help mitigate some of that. And I'm just curious, maybe from a, the show is going out over the airwaves in Nanaimo in Victoria, from a Vancouver Island perspective, if folks are looking to maybe seek some services or maybe even just seek spaces where they can talk about death in a, an approachable and accessible way. Are there any tips you'd have for folks living in Nanaimo, the Comox Valley, Victoria, and anywhere around? Yeah, I mean, there's there's tools out there that people could use to enable conversations with their loved ones, for sure. Um, I mean, a, a simple tool might be just like what's called the death deck. And it's, and it's a box of cards and you could just draw out a card and it prompts you to answer a question, like gives you options for an answer. And in that way, just kind of enables conversation among people. And it could be in a, in a lighthearted way. Like it doesn't have to be a serious, like weighty conversation. It's just a kind of way to get to know people that we care about. But you could also organize a conversation more intentionally, like have um, what's called a death over dinner. So provide a meal or, you know, potluck meal. And then the focus of the conversation is, is death. Um, you know, and it, there's lots of topics that you could broach with that. So that's called death over dinner. There's also, also death cafes. I don't know of one right now here in Nanaimo, um, but I suspect there's some in Victoria. And again, those are, that's a really informal gathering of people who, who simply do want to be able to talk freely and openly about their understanding of death and their values at end of life. So that's the death cafe. And then also people are really motivated. They could put a phone of the wind in their neighborhood. Yeah, can you tell me about what that is? What's a phone the wind? The wind. Well, yeah, it's um, so it's an idea originated in Japan after the tsunami, where a gentleman put a phone in a phone booth in his garden, and he would go into that phone booth and use the phone whenever he needed to connect with his wife who had died in the tsunami. The phone's not actually connected. So it's not working in the conventional sense, but he found that it was useful as a way to help him bridge the divide between the living and the dead. And then his neighbors asked if they could start using this phone and then people from other parts of town and then people from other towns started to come and use this phone in his garden. And so the idea has kind of spread now to like other parts of the world, including North America, that it would just place a phone in a private place ideally in nature that's not connected to you know phone lines in the traditional sense or you know wi-fi or data or anything like that it's it's a phone and there's a little explanation about its role there which is to support people having conversations with those who have died to share those things that they weren't able to share with that person when they were alive to share sentiment to share what's happening for them now since that person's passed. So it could be used in a multitude of ways, but it just kind of enables people to make that connection that otherwise they 
might feel is um, removed from their day-to-day life. It's interesting, eh? The idea of like a, a physical symbol that allows you to to make that connection that might otherwise feel weird to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's why you know it's helpful if it's located somewhere quasi private, if not very private, just because people might feel suspect of of talking out loud. Um, but the freedom that comes with that opportunity. I think we see has immense benefit for people just to to work through some of their grief. You're listening to People First Radio. I'm speaking with Carmen Lavoie of Vancouver Island University. She's created the school's end-of-life doula course, which this fall was offered for the first time. What's the future of the doula course. Is there going to be another doula course next year? Is this going to become a regular thing? Yeah, we're definitely going to do it next year for sure. So next, like the fall of 2024. So I hope it becomes a regular thing. Um, There's definitely been enough interest in it, like just having the number registered that are as well as like students interested in the next course offering. So I hope that we can continue to do it. Do you get a chance to talk with the students? Are many of them local to the area and maybe planning on working and, and doing this work kind of on Vancouver Island? I sure hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the students are from Vancouver Island. There's a few who aren't, but most of the students are. So definitely I hope that they'll be, um, yeah, putting out a shingle, I guess. Another thing I I found was really interesting that kind of relates to what we're talking about now is I was reading the this new end of life guide from the BC Humanist Association. And there was a section where a funeral director had contributed and they were talking about how maybe the societal stigma around death has been in some ways created or contributed to by like a kind of professionalization of everything around death. And uh, I don't know, it's interesting to me. I'm curious, as someone who's outside of that world, the role of the the death doula seems like it is kind of straddling both worlds of professional on one hand, because you need like money to survive in society. Um, but on the other hand, is intentionally like uh, an emotionally connected, I guess. And not it's not like taking a part of the death process that maybe hundreds of years ago wasn't done in like a very institutional way. It's not that, but there still is like a professional element. Yeah. So I think the role has existed uh, and still does in like some societies and including in like Western Anglo-Saxon societies and that we have lost connection with that in a lot of ways. So in some ways we are kind of trying to reignite that tradition while also bringing a modern lens to it, you know, that does kind of say, well, in order to do this well, we need to understand some of the research behind it. Um, We need to be able to, 
get some evidence about it to demonstrate that this is a reasonable approach to take. So it is kind of trying to blend tradition with contemporary uh, approaches. And that contemporary approach, of course, is uh, embedded in an economic system that values monetary exchange. So yeah, so that's one of the updates to that traditional role is that we have to think about it in terms of how does it fit as a business model. One thing I, I, I have noticed is that the death as a taboo topic is something that the end of life doula has to unpack for themselves as well. Like part of the work of becoming an end of life doula is overcoming that taboo that exists in our society. So, um, and I've seen social, I've seen some of the students be like, they didn't even realize it was operating in the way that they were in the world until they started to try to communicate with somebody who was dying and realized they could see in themselves that they were avoiding the word death or they were avoiding the word dying and avoiding acknowledging to somebody that yes, you're dying. Um, even though here they are like embracing that phase of life that it's still ingrained in us to somehow, you know, sugarcoat it, I guess. So, so even, even the end of life doula has to do that work of like unpacking some of those social conventions that aren't serving us. And I imagine that's a, that's a process that isn't like that is going to be a bit unique to everyone, but also depends on how other people react and is not just as easy as showing up to dinner one day and starting to talk about death. Um, you know, you need people to, to maybe buy in or you need to see what the reactions are and plow through maybe. In some ways, someone has to model that it's okay. Like someone has to take that first step and say, you know what, this is going to be okay. We can talk about this. Uh, like talking about death won't kill you. Um, you know, so it's, it's up to some people to actually be able to use those words and, and the, you know, something like a death deck can help us get over that initial hurdle of using those words in conversation. But so how liberating I think for, it doesn't serve anybody that we can't talk about it, especially the person who's dying because they're experiencing it right in that moment. And yet there's this hush about what they're living right in that moment. And that doesn't serve them because it just actually maybe even contribute to a sense of shame or failure about the circumstance they're in rather than a celebration, like an honoring a recognition of that person and what their life has been. Uh, it, we get distracted from that and focus instead on what not to say. Do you have any We're, any tips on how to maybe break that barrier or, or try to overcome that? Especially the situation you're describing there if like maybe someone in your life is dying and you're afraid to talk about it for fear of saying the wrong thing. How do you try and move past that? Yeah, well, I think using the word death and dying, the, those words can be um, very helpful. And it could just be 
a few simple questions like tell me more about your wishes for for your death what's important for you um tell me what a good death means to you and i guess the the other question i have is like if you try doing that and maybe it doesn't feel like it's well received by by either the person or, or by someone else like how do you navigate that so like you mean if they don't want to talk about it yeah. is that what you mean if somebody doesn't want to talk about the fact that they're dying then i think we can notice that pretty quick we, and we don't want to force it on somebody either i mean as much as i'm like let's take the shame and taboo out of talking about death if somebody is dying and doesn't want to talk about the fact that they're dying then it's not up to us to impose it on them either you know that that really we just follow the lead of the person that we're working with or that the person in the case of like a person you care about like take their lead in that situation um yeah so they're really the expert of what they need in that moment yeah that makes sense i feel like i've just been having so many conversations where I, I don't know maybe like the tone is so naive that i'm taking that it's like yes you've got to plow through and talk about death that i feel like that's an important thing to to bring to the conversation as well maybe um is, well, it, go ahead it is i mean i don't think you're wrong but i think it's also kind of like who's that who's that about like is that about you like and yeah you may have a lot to gain from having those open conversations about death and that's really important um for you to be able to do that in a non-judgmental, you know, respectful environment and and then not to impose that on somebody else who's not in the same place with it as you are. Vancouver Island University's Carmen Lavoie providing an update on the school's end-of-life doula course, which ran for the first time this semester, and discussing the taboo around talking about death. People First Radio, People First Media, and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners.